So one thing that certain scenes in these movies remind me of is Gossip Girl. Oh yeah. Yeah. Specifically, there is a moment where a group a mass text goes out, and it just makes you think about those scenes in Gossip Girl where she would send out e, e- blasts. So I propose to you the following premise: Gossip Girl in the John Wick universe. Wake up, Upper East Siders. Looks like John's back in town, and he's got a real bone to pick with you puppies. Puppies? XOXO. What? No. Gossip Assassin. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is Them's the Facts. No. No. <laughs> really? What, what fact are you going to do today, John? My fact is that John Wick is a good movie series. This is home viewing. Hmm, I don't know if that's a truth or not. I've got some... I've got some... Uh, I see how you built in that ad break there. I didn't mean to. It was a complete accident. I love you, and I love our podcast, and I've got Them's the Facts on the Brain because we're recording that tomorrow. Little known fact. I don't know them. All the, well, A, Bethany doesn't know them, and B, all the podcasts that come from the Atlanta group of Pocket Podcast Network are recorded using this one mic that I impulse bought after using the uh, gray model of it at work because I was like, ooh, this sounds so nice. Are you trying to get sponsored by Yeti now? Listen, I love Yeti. They're wonderful micro it's a wonderful microphone. It's a it's a very professional microphone that I have in my editing room. Oh, uh, you might want to cut this out. But <laughs> I saw uh, I was listening to Sawbones. You were listening to Sawbones. And uh Warby Parker, if you want to sponsor us, we both wear your glasses. This is so. true. We do both wear Warby Parker glasses. The reference I was just making, by the way, was to a very good interview with uh Werner Herzog. From then, Studio 360. Wer- well, I think I think he might actually pronounce it Werner. No. I don't know. I don't actually know. I don't believe you. I'm probably going to post a link to this interview on our Twitter, which is uh, Home Viewing Pod. It's on Twitter.com, so check that out. It's uh, very good. It seems kind of illuminating on um, Werner Herzog's like filmmaking process and the way he, I don't know, the way he consumes media, which I like a lot. I thought it was cool. Um... It was a long tangent about It was a long Werner. tangent about Werner. Well, we might be going to see one of his movies this weekend, too. If it's still, oh, yeah? If it's still Atara, I'd really like to go see Meeting Gorbachev. It seems like a really cool movie. If you want to watch a Werner Herzog movie, I recommend checking out Into the Inferno on Netflix. It's widely available. It's a documentary about volcanoes and the effects that they have on the cultures that surround them. So uh, how does this tie into John Wick? Listen! Sometimes when I haven't been in front of the mic in a couple of weeks, I like to just do a a cultural download, like being like, hey, this is the media that we, and movies that we have been consuming for the past couple of weeks, such Mm -hmm. as... So is this the the monthly playlist? I guess it is the monthly playlist if you think about it. Uh, What else? Carly Rae Jepsen's new album. Fantastic. Uh, Um, Detective Pikachu. Yeah, he's pretty good. Detective Pikachu is adorable, and I love him. But, uh... Better than all of those things. Better than all of those things. John Wick 3. Yes! But we are not discussing John Wick 3, because this is not a spoilers podcast. We might jump a little bit into Mm, John Wick 3. We need to give the masses time to enjoy this art. I will say, it makes me appreciate the Belgian Malinois a lot. It makes me appreciate Halle Berry. I already appreciated Halle Berry. Oh, her hair in that. Oh, so good. But we're going to be talking about 
John Wick 1 and 2, which is not in the alphabetical order. Listen, we were supposed to be covering game night next, but we decided it's our birthday month. We're going to go see John Wick 3 for sure because it was the movie that came out closest to Bethany's birthday because, you know, we do a birthday movie thing. AKA birthday movie. Yeah, exactly. We, uh, we both have birthdays in May. Mine is the 9th, Bethany's is the 15th. So we always go to movies those weekends because May is a big blockbuster month. You always have good releases coming out in May. Why is that? It's the start of summer. Kids are getting out of school and summer is blockbuster season. I mean, I think uh, I can trace back a very long time the movies I've gone to see for my birthday. I saw Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones. Um, Let's see. I saw Thor, the first Thor. I'm pretty sure I saw both uh, Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2. I saw um, X-Men 3 The Last Stand. That was fun. Oh, I'm excited for the new X-Men. Oh, Dark Phoenix. Sophie Turner. Oh, yeah, we finished watching Game of Thrones, which is a terrible show. And we also... What? We also <laughs> That's fi- not finished, true. We also finished watching Barry, which is a great uh, show. The best show, perhaps. I love that show. You used to love Game of Thrones. I used to love Game of Thrones before the writers decided that they didn't need to justify anything within the sto- story. because they're mansplainers. Yeah, exactly. So, we decided since we were going to watch John Wick 3, we should go ahead and watch John Wick 1 and John Wick 2, both of which are movies that we own. And we figured if we're going to watch movies that are already in our library, we should go ahead and record a special for them. So, this is our John Wick 1, John Wick 2 double movie birthday special! Double cross! Oh, I guess it is a double cross. Everything's a double cross. Everything in these movies especially is a double cross. These movies function... On the premise of the double cross. Well, so John, what did you like about this movie? Uh, about these, about these, movies? these movies. Uh, we haven't done a double movie yet. Just about everything, to be completely honest. Um, these movies are a thrill ride from start to finish. Well, actually, okay, let's be fair. John Wick One isn't a thrill ride from start to finish. It starts off in a very somber place because it starts off with his. Well, I mean, the first shot that we see is him crashing the car. And you're wondering how he got to that point, essentially. And he's watching the video of him and his wife on the be- on the beach. Mm-hmm. And then we shift gears and go backwards and look at the grief that he's dealing with. I think we go straight uh, into his wife's funeral, and uh, Willem Dafoe is there. Well, her, her at the um, him at the bedside when she's like dying. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the first one, and then yeah, it goes to the. Oh, there's a really good shot of all the umbrellas and like the, and the funeral. Crypt or whatever. Yeah, the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and Willem Dafoe is carrying one of those umbrellas, who is a great character actor who, well, I mean, he is getting his due lately. I feel like he's been getting a lot of roles and a lot of attention, but, and it starts off very tonal, actually. Like, a lot of, a lot of the color palette is very gray and rainy and influenced by that, and you don't really see it bursting into color until he gets back into the underworld. The pub. Well, by bursting into color, you just mean really red lights. Yes. <laughs> Well, a lot of reds and blues. Um, and oh, yeah. Can't forget the blue. That puppy, though. Mm. That poor little puppy. So you say it impacts you less. The uh, the death of the puppy impacts you less every time? Yeah, because it's just a puppy. There's not really much. Yeah, it's from his dead, dead wife, but... Uh, the puppy crawls onto the bed with him and cuddles with him in its sleep. Yeah, but the more I watch it, the less impactful it is. He feeds the puppy raisin bran. That's a bad move, first of all. That was adorable. Raisins aren't good for dogs. I don't think it was raisins. I think it was specifically the brand flakes that he fed. Yeah, it was like non-frosted flakes. It was adorable. Yeah, it's cute, but And like trying to get it to fetch, and he's like, we'll have to work on that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to be doing Keanu voice sometimes in this podcast. Keanu Reeves, excellent, excellent in these films. Um, the fight choreography, once he gets back into it. I mean, are we all familiar with the premise of John Wick? You and I are. Who are you asking? I mean, to the listeners, premise of John Wick, he's a retired hitman who got out and had to go under undergo this impossible task to get out. And then the son of a Russian mobster who he used to work for, not knowing who he is, steals his car and kills his dog. The only two things left that he loves in the world. The worst part is that the dog crawls from where it's like shot over to oh, John he, Wick. He, he wasn't shot. The dog was stomped, which is somehow worse. Oh, God, he was stomped? Yeah, they like slammed Oh, I thought he like slammed him. Yeah, oh, and yeah. the dog. And yeah, he's. The, the John Wick wakes up later from unconsciousness. The dog has dog was crushed. That's to gross. Die, to die next to him. And it's like, like, who thinks of this stuff? Chad Stahelski. Chad, what you been doing? I know you were a stunt boy. Directing uh, directing the second unit for Civil War. But, like, and, uh, who hurt you? <laughs> well, I mean... Uh, he probably didn't write it, though. N- not, to, not to mention the McElroys again, but Justin McElroy made a really good point. He's like, it's the only action movie that directly deals with grief. The John's reaction to it is because he's been denied his grieving process. Mm-hmm. And even, like, Tarasov, uh, the mob boss, played by Michael Nyquist, uh, S- Swedish character actor. Listen, I will never shut up about Swedish character actors. They're the best. Um, he even says, we will just let it go and you will be able to grieve in peace. And he says, your son took that from me. You know, Alfie Allen plays the son, <laughs> which is just some choice, choice work on his part. He's very good at playing a little shit. <laughs> no, he absolutely True. is, though. He's just got that face. Uh, though, even though when he yells, you Even can... his sister dunked on him. You see, when you said his sister dunked on him, I thought you were talking about Game of Thrones, and then I remembered that his sister <laughs> is Lily Allen. Yeah, there's a song called Alfie by Lily Allen. Well, it's, it's funny because she was like, get your shit together in that song, and then yeah. look at him yeah. getting this work. He got all the shit together. <laughs> Uh, when he, when he yells though, you can hear his uh his American or Russian immigrant son accent slipping though. You can you can hear the Briton when he yells. Yeah, well, this is probably one of the first American things he's done. I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't though. But it's still, I I think he's entertaining, especially like when he's trying to party his life away as as you know John Wick is coming for him like he. Just really embodies that, like, even though he's a criminal, he's like that spoiled rich kid, you know? Mm -hmm. Which is a very easy villain to root against. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this movie is very concerned with aesthetics. I mean, both John Wick 1 and John Wick. Actually, let's move on to, let's, you know, just a moment of comparison. John Wick 2, the villain's kind of a spoiled rich kid as well. He's not exactly as much of a kid as Alfie. Who's the villain in John the, uh, Wick? The Italian boy. Oh the one yeah, who's like, my yeah, daddy yeah. Didn't, didn't will his seat at the high table to me. He willed it to his sister. Uh, and and is then like you know, so I'm gonna have you. He's assassin. got a way better aesthetic. Oh yeah, no. Oh, the scene where he um fires the uh, incendiary grenade into John's house, but he does it like wearing the overcoat like a cape. <laughs> oh, and I think about the scene where John Wick gets him. Where John Wick is a polyglot, by the way. Like a what? A polyglot. You're not familiar with this term? He glots on lots of polys? What? No, no. He speaks multiple languages. Why wouldn't you just call that multilingual? Polyglot. That's well that's what multilingual is one is a few. Polyglot is when you speak so many. 
Just so many. Like, yeah, John it's does. like just how many. Like- I, I think in the first movie, I think it's just English and Russian. But in the second movie, he speaks Italian. He speaks like Japanese at one point. He too, speaks he? Japanese in the third movie. He speaks like uh, Japanese. He speaks ASL in the second one as well. Oh, that's right. Um, let's see. Japanese. I'm pretty sure Chinese at one point, yeah, too. Yeah, I thought the um, ASL was Arabic. a really good touch to the... To the second, second one. one. Yeah, Ruby Rose's character, who, if she's supposed to be deaf or mute or both. Could so be neither. Cool. Could just be she really likes to talk in mm-hmm. sign language. Or maybe someone cut out her tongue or something. Mm-hmm. God, Common is in the second one. Like, the first one, you have Willem Dafoe, you've got Adrian Palicki, you've got Ian McShane, Michael Nyquist, Alfie Allen, uh, the guy who plays Dennis Duffy on 30 Rock, whose name I always forget, who everyone else probably knows as Mayhem from the uh, Allstate commercials. <laughs> What? The Mayhem guy from the Allstate commercials. He, he, he plays the personification of Mayhem. He's like, I'm a raccoon living in your attic. I'm smarter than any <laughs> raccoon I know. I know him primarily as the guy who played Dennis Duffy on 30 Rock. The Beeper King of New York. Liz Lemon's uh, boyfriend in the first season. And then ex-boyfriend who keeps trying to get back with her in the later seasons. <laughs> There's a continuing bit with him. He's an American who's in the Russians organization. Much like we be- are led to believe that John Wick was. Mm-hmm. Um, I say uh, spoilers for the third movie, but um, <laughs> he doesn't speak Russian at all. Like any time that Tarasov, Michael Nyquist's character, tries to speak Russian to him, he's just like Vigo, English, please. But that drove me nuts. I hate it when people like hear another language and they're like, "Please talk in English." It's well, like, to be fair, he was. You no, know, he's being funny. It was very funny. It was well, and it wasn't to be funny. He works for him, but the fact of the matter is, why are you working in the Russian mob? Right. If you don't speak Speak Russian, Russian. that's not some good bratva right there. Ooh, can we talk about the cars? The band? Yeah, I don't want you coming here and wasting all my time. No, the cars in this movie... Yeah, he's got a good setup. Yeah, I mean, he's got the Mustang to start, which is just absolutely beautiful. I think Aurelio gives him a a charger later on, too. And Mm -hmm. then then the Continental gives him a charger. The second movie, he gets back his Mustang and then gives it to Aurelio. Oh, man. Uh, Wrecks it in the the fucking cart. Completely (laughs) fucks it up because... Well, it's not his fault. Well, it is, though. He uses the car as a weapon to destroy all the taxis. Some of which are, like, old model taxis. Oh, no, that was in the third movie that we saw the old model taxi. Yeah. But, oh, it's uh, a lot of of good cars in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And just well-choreographed car action and driving work like the scene where he's on the airstrip and the dog is in the passenger seat and he like <sighs> pulls that like yui like in front of the construction equipment where he uh drifts around mm-hmm. oh, excellent excellent work it i am i have i have long held that all film all movies are art in some way shape <laughs> or form are you checking to see if someone is listening i love you our executive producer pretty but she's a filmmaker and i'm a film critic so it kind of like we we're kind of at odds over sworn enemies <laughs> we're at odds over what is a film and what's a movie I, I i believe there's no difference between a film and movie she believes there's no there is a big difference between a film and a movie and then of course she's raised a good point if a cinematographer were watching it it's only a film if it was shot on film in their opinion in some cases <laughs> i think that's the best definition which is pretty funny which would mean that Detective Pikachu is a film and John Wick 3 is not. It was shot on film? Detective Pikachu was shot on film. What? Yeah, it was shot on film. Did that make doing the edits harder? A little bit, but it made it look Wait, better. Wait, how do you do it if it's on film? You would just go in and paint it in onto the film, essentially. Just well, the thing, is, the thing is, the film will have to be digitized anyway, but rather than picking it up for digital video. So it would, like, go in and... 
in and out in a process, essentially. Someone send me a wiki how. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I think that this is, like, the high art of action movies, in a way. Yeah. Even if it is absolutely being built up as, like, a franchise that's going to spawn endless sequels, you know? In the same way as, kind of, people are arguing that it's, like, the new Fast and Furious, yeah, essentially. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little worried about the future of this film, that, I mean, all three that I've seen, that have come out so far are really great, but I feel the burnout is probably coming soon. I get that. Uh, and Keanu's just going to keep getting older, he's, like... The thing is, all these John Wick movies are taking place, like, back to back to back to back. I feel like there's going to be a pretty significant time jump. There's, because there has the, to be. Because of where the where he, it ended on the third one. And how old everyone is going to be. <laughs> this is... If the next one's coming out in two years. Well, it's just interesting, because even Ian McShane looks older in the third one. that's like... As, as Winston. Oh, we haven't even gotten into the Continental yet. Oh. The Continental is so cool. Wood, I think wood that, book a reservation. That's well. You see, that's where the elegance of the world building of this movie mm-hmm. kind of comes in. Like, I feel like it's first hinted at that, like, oh, the underground economy is like a real and normal thing. Because when uh, Jimmy, the police officer, comes to the door after uh, John Wick deals with the uh, Russian, mm-hmm. the Russian mobsters who have come to kill him, and says, "Oh, you working again?" Just like accepting that John is there and mm-hmm. it's fine, you know. Jimmy, played by uh, Thomas Sadowski, who. Uh, you may know from the newsroom, but probably not because that's a bad show after the second season. Gosh. Or after the John, first season, honestly. You are such a fibber because, like... Oh, if, I loved the first season. I loved the first season so much. If you ask if him about like any show garbage. in the first season, first two seasons, it's always, like, super great. And then they do one thing wrong and he They don't do it. one thing wrong. They slowly get worse and worse and worse. <laughs> I mean... Shows that I used to say were the best thing on TV right now are shows that I'm just sick of at this point. List includes Jane the Virgin, The Flash. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so mean. I'm mad that we haven't finished Jane the Virgin and it's all your fault. I'm going to watch it without you. <laughs> uh, if anyone wants to watch Jane the Virgin with me. Thomas Sadowski is also on uh, Life in Pieces as well. That really cute CBS Oh my gosh, that show is cute. Yeah, I love that show. Who is he on Life? He plays the uh, oldest, the oldest brother. Or so, so the middle, I guess he's the middle child because the girl is the oldest. So he's the older brother of Colin Hanks. Oh, okay. The, the, the screw up who had like a divorce and everything. The, the artist screw up guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know who I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, he, he plays a bit part as a cop who comes in to check on John when things are are going wrong at his house, and he just has, like, great reaction faces. <laughs> oh, the cleaners, when he makes the dinner reservation for 12, uh, which is man. code for I have 12 bodies that need to be picked up. And everything in this economy is paid for in these gold coins that are minted by the High Table, which is mm-hmm. an organization that we find out about in the second one, which seems to be these uh, this organization of 12 crime families or crime organizations that run the world, I guess? <laughs> Yeah, because there's there's a like organization in every single country because they, mm-hmm. they everywhere they travel they're like oh yes welcome to the continental yeah. blank like you see the first movie you only really think oh this is happening in New York and these New York gangs are the ones who are involved in it because you see well mostly Russian mobsters is who mm-hmm. he's dealing with you get this idea that crime runs New York and there's this hotel for assassins where not that is a neutral ground for all work wet work essentially. That everyone is conducting. Also, Adrian Palicki is staying at the hotel as uh, Miss Perkins. I love Miss Perkins. She's wonderful. And I am very sad about what happened to her at the end of the movie. Though it wasn't necessary to establish the 
the consequences of doing business on the grounds of the Continental. But <laughs> I still love her. Adrian Palicki needs to get better work than the Orville so that I can actually watch the work that she's doing. <laughs> I just think it's incredible that this movie world is on par with, you know, fiction books that you read. Like, everything has, like... It's, it's like, well thought out. Uh, I don't think it is as you don't much think as so? you think so. I think that they were like, this worked in the first movie. Now how can we take it to another level? Which I, I felt like I saw that happening in the third movie, too. Because they, they're they kind of just, like, doling out the lore and making it up as it goes along in these movies. That's how books work, too, though. Well, that is how books work. And I, I think the and first one And they kept was... consistency with the markers and the coins. Well, the markers weren't even mentioned in the first, first one, movie. First movie. Yeah, you yeah. Only you only see that in the second movie. It's like, there's... You, see, you only think of there being one rule in the first movie. No business is to be done on the, That's true. the continental. That's true. And then they're like, well... says there's two rules. Let me pull this out of my back pocket. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is a favor that you owe me. But... It also it does feel like a Russian doll where, like, you open it up yeah. more and more and there's more uh-huh. layers inside of it. And the question is, when are they going to exhaust the doll? When are they going to get to the smallest doll? Because we are set for a John Wick 4, which already has a release date. In, uh, uh, that's never good. May 20th. No, I think that's good. I think that means that they've you already You think had they've it. written it, then? I think it was probably written before John Wick 3 was even done filming. Really? Yeah, no. They're setting to release it in two years. With the amount of effects and production and choreogra- oh, choreography work. Oh, that's true, because think... it takes months for them to film exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Oh, well, I'm sure everyone knows this, but uh, Keanu does all of the action himself. Yeah, you can actually see videos of him training for all the gun work, too. And, like, if you look at it, it's, like, realistic tactical approach with all of the gun stuff. Um, you can see him on the range with a trainer and everything. It's just such He's cool incredible. Stuff. But he's been doing action for forever. Yeah, Absolutely. He's been raising motorcycles since you could remember. Raising motorcycles? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Highlight sequences are something that I really want to get. I feel like the last... Highlight? Like... There's the last fight in the first movie, is uh, which is just between him and Michael Nyquist. Vigo. So we're not talking like Fenty. No, we're not talking... Okay. No. Um, I think there's a really good fight between... Uh, it's, uh, it's the hand-to-hand, like, no guns, let's settle this. Oh, uh, I... I thought that are, was very effective. Or I like when he knocks a gun out of someone's hands and just continues to fight them, like, mm-hmm. fist fight. And, or then, like, and then uses, like, the own gun against them, too. Mm-hmm. Like... Oh, yeah, that's my favorite. Like, the... He is a, a proponent of the double tap, which is making sure that they're dead by shooting them in the head. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. I think the, uh... I think all the character interactions are very well scripted and good too. It's it's all heightened because it's an action movie, you know. Everything is like as soon as as soon as John Wick's car gets stolen, like the uh, the subtlety is abandoned, and I mean that for all of the movies, all of them, because it just we're in this heightened world the entire time. Um, the first movie is much more compressed. The second movie goes international. He goes to Italy. <laughs> He fights common. Goes um, international. God, the uh, the manager of the Continental Rome asking him if he's there for the Pope in Italian. Oh my god, that <laughs> was so funny. But there's this recurring theme of it that is, you know, vengeance doesn't ever really stop. Right. Which I, and doesn't necessarily settle it. Like, mm-hmm. the only, even, even if he's gotten revenge on the entire Russian organization, he's still like, incapacitated at the end of the first movie like watching that video of his wife and it's only like the only 
time that we really feel like he's going to get a palpable change is when he does go and adopt that pit bull after he steals the veterinary supplies, you know? When he gets the pit bull mm-hmm. out of the cage and brings him home with it. Oh. Sorry, I just thought about the episode of what we do in the shadows. with the- When they get trapped. <laughs> that's another show that we've consumed recently. Watch it. I think the other thing that's really cool is that the people who surround John Wick, even if they're intending to help him, are also getting hurt through this situation. So, like, Willem Dafoe's character, who is the first one who, uh, Vigo, it is so hard not to say Mortensen after saying Vigo. Who Vigo <laughs> well, he's dead to us anyway, yeah, who so. Vigo contracts to, uh, get the, to get him, um, ends up helping him because he was essentially a mentor to him, and he dies as a result of that. And it's like, this kind of recurring theme is like, you're only hurting yourself as you're trying to get revenge for your wife. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I think he, and I feel like he realizes that at the end of this, like the, near the end of the second one, he's like, oh, I'm kind of in this for good now, now that I've come back. Like, it's just not going to stop. Mm-hmm. Evil just matches evil. There's something that, they escalate the spectacle every movie too. Um, the spectacle? I, yeah. I feel like. Just the flashiness or? Well, the flashiness, but then the sets, especially, I think. I think. Ooh. No, this... Such spoilers, though. Well, this movie has such good sets, Like, the... When when they go to the... Let's call it the desert. (laughs) (laughs) There's just these gorgeous, like... I don't know. I'd say Moroccan-inspired, like, Mm -hmm. sets. And it's just... And, like, you can... The dogs are, like, jumping off of things. And it... It, it becomes a, what you would classically think of as, like, a movie set. Oh, absolutely. But then if you go to, uh, the new, in New York, they do all that really good location work, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm thinking, but, like, the, uh, when they're going through the exhibit in the, uh, climactic fight in the, the second, second one. one the mirror exhibit, when it's, when I mean. It's, it's like the hall, it's the hall of mirrors device, uh-huh. but because it's, like, a fine art thing, too, you're yeah, also playing so- with that. Sorry to say, I really thought that's probably what Infinity Mirrors was going to be like, and I was gravely disappointed. (laughs) No hallways, just boxes. Just boxes. I think that they really find a way to make the set part of the visual story. And I feel like that's great. I really like that kind of thing. I hate hate how everyone's just relying on practical things, I feel like, all the time. Well, I feel like movie magic is kind of being lost sometimes. Oh, no, you hate... What you're saying is... You're, th- you're thinking green screens. Well, green screens and then just, like, on-location shootings getting kind of boring at this point, too. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at... I mean, how no, many pine no trees can we to, look at? No, no <laughs> offense to the film industry in Georgia, but, like, it's it's getting to the point where living here, I'm recognizing everything yeah. in a lot of these big-budget movies that have been coming to film here. Like Sometimes it ruins it a little it, bit. It, it, it does. Like, just, just seeing, you know... It messed with Venom a little bit. Like, I actually would have rather... Like, I do kind of wish there was a baby driver in LA like it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, because it is it is breaking of, of the uh, premise. Like, your suspension of disbelief is get, becoming a problem when you hear someone say it's the Buford Highway, you know? Yeah. Or, like, see them getting from the perimeter to Midtown in two seconds. Mm-hmm. It's a little wild. And I think that that is something that is not as difficult for me watching John Wick because mm-hmm. you know I haven't been to Rome. I well, ha- but also New York is expansive. Like 
Atlanta's large, but it's not near the size of New York. I feel like people could watch this who live in New York and be like, oh, I don't recognize that. This place is huge. Well, I mean, to be fair, the Continental is, I'm pretty sure, literally the Flatiron Building, which is one of the most recognizable buildings in New York. Oh, man, the Continental is so beautiful, though. Like, the, the architecture in it. Is it the Flatiron? It's very reminiscent yes, of... Yes, it is the Flatiron. The one they go to in um, Fantastical Beasts? Fantastic Beasts? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's got that Art Deco thing. Yeah. The, the, mm-hmm. in, the interior, at least, is very Art Deco. Mm-hmm. And it's very much a New York set movie. Like, I want to talk about what doesn't work for me in these movies. What doesn't work? Nothing. Okay. Women. We're done. Women. 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 This movie, these movies, I don't know. I feel okay, like... Okay, but mm, unlike a lot of other action movies, they have female leads that are good and like the first one the only real women that the first matters one to the movie yeah is executed even after she has that badass thumb breaking escape from the handcuffs yeah. and i maybe it's just because i love adrian palicki but i wish that she had gotten to go on in the series miss perkins was a very interesting character to me and I wish we had seen more of her. Um, I feel like, you know, Ruby Rose's character is probably dead. Oh, and, no, no, no. I mean, he had... You saw her eyes blaze over. a silent woman in that movie. Yeah. The only other woman who really has, like... Actually, the... Uh, let's see. Another woman who gets major screen time is the seamstress who doesn't speak a word. Uh, let's see. You have the But it kind of speaks to action movies, how I'm like, oh, this is a good franchise for action movies. I mean, for females. Where it's like, that's She's still like, not... The woman kills herself in the second... Like the the Italian the Italian woman who she was so cool she was so cool and then she her suicide herself. was also cool. Well, yeah, no, because she says I go out on my own terms. Anything she does is cool. Oh, God, and her party in the rope in the ancient estate with the with the catacombs and the ruins and everything and the uh, band that was playing. Oh, a lot of really good like party and like crowd scenes in the in these movies too. Yeah, I think it's. They're uh, the soundtracks too. Now it it makes you a little paranoid when you see all the like the party ones or like the club ones, and you're like, oh my god, anything could happen. Because it also made me think of Killing Eve. Well, you know what's interesting is like like that scene in Killing Eve that you're referencing. What happens in the middle of the party? It's just only people who are right next to him notice it, and like yeah, isn't that terrifying? Go- well, but also, and then like. <laughs> When he shoots the guy on stage and they think it's part of the performance. Yeah, and then when they're in the, on the subway scene, when they're, like, running after each other to knife each other, basically. Oh, yeah. I loved when they were shooting each other, uh, when Common and him were shooting at each other with the silenced bullets. Yeah, that was incredible. Oh. I'm like, would I notice if something like that was going on? Maybe think, not. Maybe the, from far enough away. I love the concept that, like, New Yorkers are just kind of... <laughs> well... I think it, the argument to be made is that all of New York is assassins in this movie. In these movies. Um, well, yeah, the park scene at the end. Yeah, when uh, Winston stalked the park with people. That was incredible. They got them all to stop at the same time and, like... Oh, it's, like, a flat... What coordination? It's such good, like... So good. Mm-hmm. So good. See, like, you forgot what was bad about it already. I was just... Well, I mean, that was my is main complaint. I think I think there could be more diversity in the movies beyond non-speaking, non-translated ethnic gangsters trying to kill John Wick. Now, not for nothing, Keanu isn't like fully white, even though he does pass. Mm-hmm. Like Keanu absolutely passes for white, and I will I will acknowledge that. I feel like Sharon is a 
wonderful light in the darkness of these movies um, <laughs> as as the main black character. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne uh, as the Bowery King. Well, that's... Is, that's the new one. Well, in John Wick 2. He's in John Wick 2 as in well. John Wick 2? Yeah. Yeah, because remember what, you were talking about raising pi- the pigeons? Oh. You hate I the don't pigeons. understand this. But it's cool to see Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu interacting on screen again after the Matrix, because eh. uh, it's so cool. And it's like, they both have aged, and they've kind of aged in different directions. Um, We can't all be Con- Keanu. Yeah, we can't all be Keanu. That's just the truth. Lance Reddick, that's who plays Sharon. He's really good. I like him. Yeah. Because he, he, he was in The Wire. He was in, uh, let's see, he played, he uh, voiced the character of, at a motion cap, the character Silence in Horizon Zero Dawn, which oh. is one of my favorite video games. One of my favorite video games. Um, I think we've there's so much we could more we could say yeah. about these movies. It's it's hard not to just go over it. Um, in conclusion, watch John Wick one and watch John Wick two, and then mm-hmm. go to the movies and watch John Wick three. Yeah, and I would we, recommend just watching them all in like one or two days, back to back to which back. is what we did. And it was a lot. Of fun. I honestly wish we had watched the first one closer to the second one. <laughs> And then the third one. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the thing is, too, we didn't get to see John Wick 1 and John Wick 2 in theaters. Those were movies that we watched at home. We didn't know. We just didn't know. Because we didn't know. I mean, even if we had caught on the hype, we definitely wouldn't have seen the first one in theaters. Absolutely. What year did that one come out? The first one came out. I have the IMDb page up, so I should be able to tell you. In 2014. So. okay. Not that long ago. No, they've been a... It's a pretty steady release rate, um, but I am very much looking forward to John Wick 4. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Watch these movies, y'all. I, I can't <laughs> recommend it enough. Oh, man, we never went to the concession stand. Oh, well, let's, wh- let's go. So, much like a theater, we're going to make our money in the concession stand. That's 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 our new term for our ads. It was Bethany's idea. <laughs> so, you know, get some popcorn, but but make sure you listen to what we got to say. <laughs> a fellow podcaster in our community, Sin Ribbon, recently published her first novel in an urban fantasy trilogy and it's been getting great reviews. It's called 10 Part 1, an LGBT fantasy adventure about 10 individuals brought together to decide the fate of mankind, a task none of them could want less. Free Will and Destiny Crash in this epic battle, and you can find the book on Amazon now. Free for Kindle Unlimited subscribers. Read it now at bit.ly slash 10part1. That's bit.ly slash T-E-N part number one. Let's see. Anything else we need to cover in the contested stand? I don't have any ads. You don't have any ads? No. I would like to advertise one thing. Which is, if you're in Atlanta, on June 22nd, there's going to be a house show at 1054 Hemp Hill Avenue Northwest. I am playing in two of those bands. Is this for anyone to attend? Yeah. Okay. I want people to come see it. I'm gonna be, It's going to be a Dalai Lama, Free Ice Cream, and Yes Hornburger playing. I am in two of those bands, so please, come check it out. It's going to be a good time. It'll be a lot of fun. But will there be free ice cream? I am not sure on that, I'm actually very worried about it. Hi, I'm John. I'm Gabe. I'm Chris. We're three friends who went to college together. Hey, Gabe, did you know that Akira Kurosawa has a writing credit on Star Wars? I didn't know that. 
Good, because I made it up. I have one. The creator of the Frisbee made his ashes into a commemorative run of Frisbees. I don't believe you. That's 100% real, my dude. Them's the Facts, a show about fun facts and lying to your friends. Every other Wednesday. On the Pocket Podcast Network. Alright, you ready to rate this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what what are we rating it out of? Guns. Yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we didn't even talk about the sommelier though. Oh, okay. The, there's a scene in um, there's a scene in the second one where John Wick asks the Continental Hotel if the sommelier is in. Sommelier, as we all know, is the guy who knows all about wine. In the Continental Rome, he's played by Peter Serafinowicz, and he's not a wine sommelier. He is a gun sommelier. And he uh, talks about the guns like people talk about wine. He's like, well, I really love the new crop of Germans before he, and Austrians before he gets out of Glock. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. Peter Serafinowicz is excellent. I love him. Well, okay. I have to say that, that reminded me because after that he goes to the tailors and gets a fancy suit that's like bulletproof. Well, that's, yeah, it's, it's all during that scene. But it's like, that's, it's such good setup and explaining for why he's able to like have so much stamina and last so long, whereas I feel like a lot of other action movies would just kind of leave it up to chance. Like, oh, I don't know why he's so good. He's just good. This, this is why he never gets hit by any bullets. No, he constantly Oh, kind of like um, superhero movies. Superhero <laughs> movies, they have powers and they have armor, so... Sometimes I don't explain to anyone. Whatever. <laughs> okay, I rate this 5 out of 5 guns. I rate John Wick... Pew, pew, pew. Actually, 5 out of 5? I give John Wick 1... 4.75 out of 5 guns. Mm-hmm. And I give John Wick 2 5 out of 5 guns. Really? I love John Wick 2. I think it takes everything to a whole nother level. I, and I live for spectacle. Like, the entire... Like, the museum sequence is what really sells it for me when they have that, like, remix of Presto from Summer playing in the background. and uh, It's just so good. I love it. Are you sure I it's Presto? It's Presto. That's the oh. name of the movement. Are you sure? That is the name of the movement. That just sounds so simple. It sounds so simple, but that's what it is. So let's let this play us out. What's your rating? Let's stop. It's going to sound horrible. You, yeah, I'll, you be, might I'll wanna, do something else. Why do you clip it in? I'm going to clip it in lit. I will clip it in. Starting here. Okay. So what's your rating? Five out of five. Five out of five? All around. All around? For All both, of them. Yeah, for both one and two. Still feels a little too generous, though. It's, it feels very generous, but it's like, these movies made me feel... It was just something akin to when I watched Star Wars for the first time, you know? Oh, wow. No, like, it's fun. It's exciting. There's thrills. There's spills. A lot of spills. <laughs> a lot of blood spills. We didn't even mention that, you know, they Would start you... the second one with a Buster Keaton sketch ske- oh, projected yeah. on the wall and then oh. recreating it with the motorcycle. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, that was ugh. incredible. It's like they understand their legacy and they are reverential to that legacy. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. It's... They're definitely paying homage to many other films and media it, yeah, things. I, I love it. Great time. Five out of five. <laughs> Great time. We're a, we're a part of the Pocket Podcast Network. Other shows include Avocado Toast, 
The Ghoul Tank, which I've been listening to recently and is a lot of fun, actually. And we've got a new one, right? Yes, we do have a new one called Steampunks, which is about... Not about steampunks. <laughs> it's about Not women about in the history of science, <laughs> technology, engineering, so why is art, it STEM and math. Punks? It isn't STEM because art is included in there. So this that's, oh, that's the new, they're doing art too. Well, that's the new term that people. What? That's the new term that a lot of people are pushing for because I'm people so are, behind. No, on but the I, time. You see, I'm so into it because it. A lot of people complain that the arts get left out of STEM and. People what? Need There's that not art arts outlet. and STEM, though. Well, that's what they're saying, is that STEM leaves the arts out. If you add, this, yeah. if you make it STEAM, then that means that people are going to be more well-rounded and actually get to indulge their creativity outside necessarily engineering. You love art! <laughs> yeah, but no one cares about my art. I care about your art. Also, if you want to commission Bethany for a pet portrait... Oh god, it's not official yet, don't even... Listen, Bethany will draw your pets. And paint I will them. I will draw your pets for discounts. Seriously, this is something that I've been that Bethany needs to get started. She's been talking about for a while. So, if you want a drawing or painting of your pet, reach out to Bethany. Are we allowed to do this? Uh, I don't think we can just do random we ads. Can self? No, we're allowed to self promo oh. as much as we want on here. Well, why don't you wait till I have like an Insta or something? Something like that. <laughs> uh, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And our theme song is by the Organ Machines, and I forgot to mention it. Thanks for listening! <laughs>